my definition of negotiation is anytime you're having a conversation and somebody in the conversation wants something. A lot of people don't understand the truth that you negotiate your life every single day. Professionally, physically, mentally, emotionally, and otherwise, you negotiate every single day. Biggest challenge that people face in negotiation is that they have low negotiation awareness. They don't identify these interactions as negotiations. And because of that, they don't have that signal to say, hey, it is time for me to use all of these skills during this difficult conversation. We just label the person as difficult. We label the conversation as annoying, frustrating, but we don't think about it yeah. as a negotiation. This episode, I'm joined by my very, very own good friend, Mr. Kwame Christian Esquire. Mr. Kwame is the founder of the Negotiation Podcast. He's a lawyer, he's a CEO, and as well as he's a two-time best-selling author, all the way from the United States of America. Are you thinking about building your wealth? Are you thinking about where to start or not knowing where to start in your wealth creation journey? At Property Wealth Education, we teach people how to get started, how to build an empire, and how to invest passively and actively using property in your wealth creation. Month in, month out, week in, week out, we have curated courses that is available to you, free and paid, and through our upgraded mentorship program, The Wealth Circle. So if you're thinking of building your wealth, we want to invite you to click on the a link below the show notes on this video uh, to book a call with us we'd like to have a chat to help you start to build your wealth build a legacy for yourself and your family my brother it's good to have you here how's it going it is great i appreciate the invite my friend yes 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 so all the way from the united states of america mm, you're not the first but you're not the last. And a lot of time, people always ask me, a lot of our audiences right. have always asked me, why are you so interested in bringing people from the United States to the podcast? And the reason why I do that is because in the US, you guys, the way you see marketing, the way you see business, the way you do things is always in the multi-millions, you know? And unlike in the UK, it isn't. You know, we're very, we're very, very conservative to build. We're very conservative to build and we're very conservative to start. So one of the reasons why I bring people like you here is to just kind of help the audience here in the UK explode your mindset in how you've taken your businesses from nothing to somewhere and how the journey has always also become as well. So what I want to do very quickly is I want you to basically lay the foundations based on how you started. You didn't just start becoming two best Amazon bestselling author or, you know, your podcast got over 2 million downloads. You know, you're a very successful lawyer, over 105,000 followers on LinkedIn. And, you know, you've built a massive, massive business, a massive brand. People know who you are. So let's take you one step at a time. Tell us about who you are and how did this all begin for you? This episode of the Wealth and Business Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor and our partner, Adrian Benjamin. Adrian is a wealth protection advisor who helps business owners, property investors to financially protect themselves, their family, and their businesses. Adrian will make sure that if the worst was to happen to you or your family, you will be able to financially survive. For more information, to know more how Adrian can help you protect your wealth, your families from the worst when it does happen, 
follow the link on the show notes and you will have access to his social media, a calendar link to help book a consultation call where he can actually see where you are in your wealth protection. Man, that's a great question. It is a great question. And um, when I think about it, I, we have to go back to the yes. roots because I'm like you. I'm the My family's from a different country. So my family's originally from the Caribbean. My dad is from a small island called Dominica. My mom is from Guyana. They immigrated to the U.S. to, to further their education. And that's where me and my brother, that's where we came from. So seeing their journey of of education and entrepreneurship and building their own thing and, and starting from scratch in a brand new country it was really inspirational and motivational for me and so i wanted to follow in their footsteps educate myself and, and have a successful career and so we can't overlook that foundation because my parents were always there pushing me to 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 try to get better um, for me, growing up in America, I remember I was very different from the people who were around me. I was racially different. I was ethnically different. I had an accent at the time, a, a Caribbean accent, and it was hard to fit in. And so for me, after I learned how to stand up for myself, have difficult conversations through learning about negotiation, that's what led me to say, listen, I want to spread this message across the world as far and wide as possible. And that's what drove me to, to create the American Negotiation Institute. Wow, American Negotiation Institute. Now, what is what is the American Negotiation Institute in the first? I mean, we're going to talk about your career as a lawyer as well. But what is the, you know, Negotiation Institute? Yeah, so it's a um, negotiation consultancy. So we focus on training and development in the space of negotiation and conflict resolution. So essentially, any difficult conversation you're having, and so we get uh, we have a lot of clients like. Apple, NASA, Target, um, big name companies and, and organizations that, that turn to us for their, their training needs. We also have the podcast. Uh, thankfully, it's, it's the number one negotiation podcast in the world with listeners in a 180 different countries and over 10 million downloads now, which is really cool. So we're seven days a week and we're on the LinkedIn podcast network. So we're one of their podcasts there too. And um, writing for Forbes and posting on LinkedIn every single day. You know, that's that's what got me to the the hundred and five thousand followers on LinkedIn. It's just about being generous. And for us, the way that I think about this is that the the money that we make from our corporate clients and through the podcast and things like that, that's what allows us to be so generous. We want to be able to provide the world with the most free negotiation content as possible. So the, the business side, the revenue side is what fuels that generosity. Interestingly, you say negotiation podcasts and negotiation training. You know, to my mind, when we talk about negotiation, negotiation to me means a lot of, it has a lot of definitions. You know, negotiation to me is conviction. You know, conviction in the sense that if someone is basically, you know, has got some money and they don't know what to do with it and probably, oh, they actually know what to do with, but they don't, they're not too sure. I'm able to negotiate with them to the reason why they need to invest that money with me. Or for example, you know, someone is looking to sell something to me at a hundred thousand pounds, for example, in my own understanding would be, for example, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to pay you a hundred and, you know, so I'm going to pay you about 80,000 pounds rather than, you know, rather than paying you a hundred thousand pounds. So negotiation comes in different forms. So what is your clear definition of def, you know, of negotiation? Hence, you know, you train this, you talk about it all the time. And I was also fortunate to have been interviewed on your podcast about negotiation. I want to know what does negotiation mean to you? 
Yeah, man. Great question. And um, for, for the folks who are listening to this podcast, uh, Daniel was amazing on the show. Really, you were great. And so I'm pumped to share that episode. And Thank I'm you. glad you asked this question, Daniel, because this is the question I start off with all of my trainings. I ask that question, what is negotiation? And you, it's really fascinating to see all the different answers. And for me, I like very simple definitions. And there's a reason why, because a lot of times the the biggest challenge that people face in negotiation is that they have low negotiation awareness. They don't identify these interactions as negotiations. And because of that, they don't have that signal to say, hey, it is time for me to use all of these skills during this difficult conversation. We just label the person as difficult. We label the, label the conversation as annoying or frustrating, <laughs> but we don't think about it yeah. as a negotiation. So my definition of negotiation is anytime you're having a conversation and somebody in the conversation wants something. And when you think about our episode that we recorded, Daniel, we talked about negotiating in the business world and how you negotiate in real estate, how you negotiated your partnership deal, but then how both of us negotiate with our spouses, Absolutely. with our families. Absolutely. And so these same skills can be utilized internally. Yeah. So it's been fun just sharing that message as far as we could. Interestingly, because this is something a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people don't actually digress the word correctly because a lot of people don't understand the truth that you negotiate your life every single day. Every single day you negotiate your life professionally, physically, mentally, emotionally, and otherwise you negotiate every single day. And I remember when we had that conversation on your episode and your podcast, and we literally related it to all the angles, how we can use this great tool, this great skill, all right, to basically transform our business. I mean, you are a lawyer as well. So I'm sure when you, from time to time, maybe represent your clients in a, in a courtroom, you know, you're also negotiating with the judge to either accept that the case you're trying to present is the real deal. Or maybe if there was to be like a fine, you're also negotiating for you know, the, the, the fine to be dropped, to be reduced. And that, you know, there is so many different angles. So why is it so important for entrepreneurs to basically understand how to use this too? And why should entrepreneurs learn about the act of negotiation that it's not an, you know, it's not an annoying conversation, you know, because a lot of people do see negotiation as a, it's almost like you're trying to bring me down. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to, you know, uh, uh, me and stuff like that. How can entrepreneurs use this? in the right way. Well, it's a blend of things. We have to have mindset and skill set. So mindset, first of all, we have to have the confidence to actually have the conversation because a lot of times in the negotiation world, we've been giving recipes to people who are afraid to get in the kitchen. It's not that some people don't know what to do. It's a lot of cases they're afraid of doing what is required in the situation. So we have to build up people's confidence. We also have to build up their belief in the fact that their actions can have an impact on the outcomes. So you actually have to believe that, number one, you have the skills to get it done. And number two, believe that it's worthwhile. There's an ROI on this. There's a value in having these conversations. So we have to develop that mindset first. And then the skill set, we have to understand what it takes to become a better negotiator. And if you want to be a better negotiator, you just need three things. And then we'll build upon those three things, <laughs> but you just need three core things. First, you need to be able to manage the emotions in the mm. room, both your own emotions and the emotions of the other side. Second, you need to be able to ask better questions, more insightful questions to gather more information. And then once the person responds to your questions, you need to third, be a better listener, actually listen and understand what the other person's saying, empathize with them. And by doing this, you're gathering the information that you need to build the relationship and potentially build a solution as well. 
But if you just have those core three things, that'll start moving you forward in your difficult conversations. Interestingly, you spoke about three very interesting points there. You know, being able to listen, being able to ask the right question. But I'm going to ponder a lot on the emotional element of it. Because from time to time, I've seen, I mean, I'm in the business world all my life. I think I've communicated more with business people and entrepreneurs and rather than probably professional people. So, and I've seen the different mindset between professional people and business people when it comes to managing emotions correctly. Because I always say this as entrepreneur, it's almost like, I may be wrong on this, I may be right, right on this, but this is my own opinion. My own opinion is when it comes to being an entrepreneur, when it comes being a business person, you almost have to literally pack up your emotion and keep it somewhere and don't bring it into your business space. Because if you're somebody that has emotional breakdowns and you have emotional flip, you're gonna end up being damaged heavily in business because people are gonna let you down, people are gonna lift you up. So if you don't manage your emotions correctly, at every given point in time, when somebody then wanna negotiate with you, all right, because you don't have the ability to manage your, you know, your, your emotion, you can end up being a place where at every single point in time, you could be offended or you could be like, oh no, I don't want to do business with people. Now, the whole essence of being an entrepreneur or business person, the first place to make money, right? So how can entrepreneurs mm -hmm. basically manage their emotions when it is negotiation time, when he's having that conversation in the room, you know, and being a good listener and as well as, you know, being a good communicator how can entrepreneurs utilize this really well well first of all we have to recognize that emotion management is both a choice and a skill so what i mean by that is that we have a to choice choose and a skill. to do wow. it and the only reason we're going to choose to do it yeah so we we choose to do it because there is some return on investment i recognize that there's a greater purpose yeah. there's a greater value so i'm going to value the outcome that i have in mind over how i'm feeling in the moment and then the skill set you have to figure out a methodology for actually managing your emotions so what is that um one that i teach a lot is the compassionate curiosity framework you can utilize it for external negotiations with the other person but the exact same framework can be used internally as a tool of emotional regulation so the three steps are all the same acknowledge and validate emotions get curious with compassion and then utilize joint problem solving just three steps and so when you're negotiating with yourself you're going to acknowledge and validate your own emotions what am i feeling uh, what are the the emotions that I'm feeling? Um, usually, or oftentimes, it's it's more than one thing. So I, I'm not just going to say I'm angry. For example, anger is a secondary emotion, not a primary mm. emotion. But I might be angry because I'm disappointed. So I'm frustrated. I feel betrayed. Those type of things. So I actually want to list those out because psychologically, once you list out those emotions, it starts to calm you down. So then you get curious with self-directed compassion. What is it that's making me feel this way? Why do I feel this way? Well, the person went against what they said. They betrayed me. I thought they had my back. So I'm disappointed and I'm disappointed in myself for allowing somebody to take advantage of me, for example. Right. So I'm actually listing these things out. I'm thinking through it. All right. So reconciling the differences between my heart and mind. That's what joint problem solving looks like in the third step. So what would make me feel better emotionally? And then what should I actually do or say? And now, Daniel, it might seem like laborious or time consuming to do this, but you can do this in the middle of a conversation by just practicing to do it faster. And so I can do this in five seconds. 
seven seconds. I can go through this in my mind. And in the middle of the conversation, what it might look like is I might be negotiating with you and I might start to feel those emotions bubbling up. And so what I'd say is, Hey, Daniel, can you give me a second? I, I want to take some notes. You've said some really important things and I, I want to make sure that I don't yes. miss it. So I'll take 10 seconds to write down something in silence. And then I, once I start, I recognize that I've calmed myself down, mm -hmm. then I'll come back to the conversation with an open-ended question and go right back into the flow. So in a world where there is, in a world where having conversation about negotiation is so, is such, is, you know, is so difficult. So, because, you know, no word of a lie, negotiating sometimes with, with people, it, it, it's almost like a very difficult situation. It's almost like, you know, that person wants this and you want that. And, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm going to, and, and I just completely get it. So just taking a pause there and say, okay, actually, let me quickly just take a note and then I'll come back to you with a question. You're learning to take control of your emotion and calm yourself down, take a breather and respond rather than react. Exactly. And responding is a skill that I personally had to learn for, you know, over the last four or five years. Rather than reacting to people, I learned to respond to people so that I end up not being seen to be rude or to be disrespected and otherwise. And, and I just love how you really break that down, you know, take a breather and just distract a little bit, not sit down so you can now come up so it, you don't feel offended in managing that information. I really, really love that. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. It, and it's it's important to to recognize that, again, this isn't intuitive. We aren't born with, with this knowledge. It's funny. We, we all have brains, but we are often unsure of how it works and how to control what the brain does and the the reality is that there is a there's an approach there's a methodology there are these tools that we can use but if you don't know them then then you can't use them but if we start to think about not only negotiation as a skill set but also emotional regulation as a skill set mm. then we can say all right if this is a skill that means with practice i can get better and so now i start looking for these opportunities you know for me i got um i've got two kids and um, I know you're a family man too. Yeah. And uh, for me, I, I think about some of the frustrations I have with my kids. These are opportunities to practice <laughs> emotional regulation. So when I'm, I'm trying to put my son who's two years old to bed and Daniel, I don't know if you've experienced this, but like when you're teaching your kid to brush their teeth and then it's like they keep on eating the toothpaste and I keep on saying, no, you have to spit the toothpaste out. They don't understand like what that mm. means. Like they try, my son would just make that sound, but he would never like get anything out because he already ate all the toothpaste. And one time he was having a really bad temper tantrum and I was trying to brush his teeth and get him to bed. And then he had all of the toothpaste in his mouth and he looked at me and spat in my face. And I was like, first of all, when did you learn how to do that? <laughs> I've been trying to get you to do that for so long. When did you learn this yeah. skill? And second of all, how disrespectful, right? But then I say, no, this is an opportunity for me to practice my emotional regulation. I just look at him. I take a deep breath. I exhale. I feel my shoulders start to relax that through that tension. Yeah. 
because I when I start to get upset, I feel it in my chest and my shoulders. Yes. And so I take a deep breath and I feel that tension release. And so I'm like, this is good. This is good to see. Look at that. Highly disrespected, very frustrated. It's late. I had a long day at work and everything like that, but I kept it together. I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I didn't do anything. And so these are little experience points that we can create for ourselves where we start to turn everything in life into an opportunity to practice our skills. Because at all times we're communicating with people, we're connecting with people, we're having these conversations, we're experiencing things that are emotionally challenging for us every single conversation and every single hardship is an opportunity to practice our negotiation skills and our emotional regulation skills you know Kwame this is this is big this is big and I'm going to drill down into this very very I'm going to drill down into this because I think it's such an important conversation that spans across whatever skill set you're looking for whatever sort of business you're looking to do it's such an important part that you must learn to adapt as an entrepreneur in your workspace you know i'll give an example and i'm going to come from two different angles in england you know uh, i've been here for like 20 years especially with an ethnic minority the black community like you know you see young kids at 10 years old or maybe f- just below 15 years old and most time they don't want to listen to you because oh you're not my dad Right? You know my dad, don't talk to me like that. You know my uncle, you know my auntie, don't talk to me like that. You know, and this is so, you know, has been so deep rooted that somehow when you see a lot of people out there, it's almost like at every given point in time, you know, people are so angry when they're responding to you because at every given point in time, people feel disrespected. Now, mastering the act of negotiation now makes you as a person that basically receives information so you can communicate effectively. And as you know, in my in, in the way I'm thinking right now, in my mindset is that for that child who says, oh, you're not my dad, you're not my mom, obviously mastering the act of being able to communicate with that, you know, with that sort of situation where they've responded back to you, or you're not my dad, or you know, my mom, don't talk to me like that. And then managing that emotion and being able to communicate and still getting them to maybe do business with you, for example, in a business place or getting that child, all right, to basically listen to what you have to say is a skill set, apparently. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, that's the thing, too, Daniel, because you have to think about it. We might say and and think about your your culture as well, because we're we're both immigrants here. Um, I'd say, well, you know, in my country, like where I'm from, uh, children don't have rights. So you, you listen. <laughs> yeah, I tell <laughs> I, my I'm kids the adult, all the time. I say that's how it is where where we're from. But in here, in the, the more Western societies, the the children have much more rights, and so they you have to communicate in a way that they can connect with. And when you think about the the, the term that you use, disrespect, we have to recognize that respect is in the eyes of the beholder. And so when we're trying to respect somebody, we don't do, do it through our own lens. We do it through their lens so it's not treating people the way that i would want to be treated it would be treating people the way that they want to be treated and then that requires investigation how do you want to be treated i don't know and if somebody um if you can tell that somebody got disrespected then that's just an opportunity for another negotiation because i'm going to say hey again using the compassionate curiosity framework correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like something I said or did didn't really sit right with you. Am I sensing that right? So I'm going to label that emotion. Mm. Something's off. I don't know what you're feeling, but I can tell something changed, right? 
And so then they're going to say some things. They're going to explain, yeah, well, I didn't like this or I didn't like that. And then I'm going to get curious with compassion. Okay, this is great. I appreciate this. Um, first of all, I apologize for the impact what I said had on you. Um, that wasn't my intent. And I, you're somebody I care about. So I want to figure out a way that we could work together better or we can communicate better. So going forward, if we find ourselves in this situation, what do you think we could do to make sure that we don't find ourselves in this situation again? And so you see, I'm transitioning into getting curious with compassion, gathering information, and then inviting them to solve, work through the problem with me. And so it's really important for us to be culturally intelligent. And you have to be able to recognize that different cultures approach things in different ways. And if you're going to be successful in any difficult conversation, you have to understand how the cultural nuances will change. Yeah. And so for me now here living in, o in Ohio, even the way that I, I raise my kids is, is different because I still have the same core values about you know, respect, hard work, um, you know, those type of things. But I recognize that, hey, in this society, when I'm talking to my kids, it's a little bit more um, empathetic and we talk through things versus me just telling them what to do. And I, I parents like a negotiator because my goal is to help my children think through the decisions that they're making so they can start to make better decisions without me being there. Yes. And so by asking them these empathetic questions and getting them to think deeply about the situation and working through it with them, I'm not just having a difficult conversation and negotiating. I'm also at the same time teaching them how to think through things thoroughly. And so just being able to be flexible in those situations can do wonders for your efficacy in these tough conversations. Wow, 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 wow. Kwame, this is so valuable, right? It's so valuable of how we can look at negotiation from so many different angles. So my next question to you is, what was the turning point for you to develop in the Negotiation Institute? What was the turning point? How did you get to that point where you said, you know what, well, negotiation is a topic, it's a subject, there is a framework. And it's something that every single person out there needs to master. What was the turnaround? Well, for me, when I when I took that course in law school, I immediately knew that I wanted to spread the message of how we can make difficult conversations easier. So our motto is we believe the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations. So we want to make the world a better place, one difficult conversation at a time. So I always had my eye on this, but I didn't know how long it would take and what the trajectory was. Um, there aren't very many opportunities to join other negotiation consultancies. And in my location in, in Ohio, there wasn't a big organization that I could join, join with. And so I think it was just recognizing that my passion for this could not be contained. So I said, listen, I don't know what the opportunity is. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to I'm going to incorporate this company. I'm going to call it the American Negotiation Institute. And I'm going to start giving away my best content for free through the podcast. And so it was just based on that generosity. And then opportunities started to present themselves. So it really started with just saying, all right, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm not going to wait for somebody to choose me. I'm not going to wait for the opportunity to um, manifest itself. I'm going to make it happen. And it, it started by just sharing as much as we could and, and helping as many people as we could. And then the market began to present itself because... Again, it wasn't obvious how I was going to monetize this. I knew what the message was. I knew what the purpose was, but I didn't know how to make it financially viable. And so the the audience from the podcast was really instructive yeah. because it showed me, all right, monetization can come from the the training and the and the keynotes. And so that's that's what we focused on. Wow. Interesting. So now, you know, you basically created your own table rather than looking for tables to buy a seat at. You created your table and now 
you are seated in your table and basically inviting everyone to come join you basically so after you've done that how were you able to relate that with being a lawyer you know how were you able to relate being a lawyer and being a negotiation expert how did you combine both together well when i was practicing more frequently i uh i thought about every time i was talking to my clients anytime i was negotiating with opposing yeah. counsel all of those situations those were practice opportunity mm -hmm. i was like oh, okay cool i know where i'm going to go i know i want to become a negotiation teacher a negotiation expert a thought leader in this field so i need to rack up experience and i need to be collecting stories and being really mindful about the tactics that i utilize documenting what works and what doesn't work so i can actually have some meaningful experience uh, becoming a mediator was a really important part of that because it gave me an opportunity to get an incredible amount of experience just through multiple iterations so i could test out the, my hypotheses and my ideas and my my frameworks that I, I developed compassionate curiosity from all of these mediations i've done hundreds of mediations so i could see all right when i was on when i was on my game what were the things that i did well mm -hmm. consistently what was the flow how can i communicate that to other people and so that's how the law played into it because my background as a lawyer and as a mediator all of those things fed into my credibility as a teacher wow interesting very very interesting how you were able to combat that as entrepreneurs you know a lot of people always want to have 100 percent of something when they could have actually been in a situation whereby they can give all their alls and earn a percentage. I go by this. I said, I'd rather own 10 to 20% of a billion pounds than to try and own a billion pounds. All right. To a billion pound business that is, you know, that is doing really, really well. For someone like me, how can I identify such an opportunity? And for the listeners as well, rather than sometimes thinking I wanted to build something by your own, all right. How can you find yourself in rooms where you can negotiate or rather, how can you build a skill that can take you to tables where you can show value and negotiate your way through so you can build well for yourself? Yeah, I think it, it starts with being very clear on what your goal is, because for some people, they might be better served having 100% of a smaller thing because they like the autonomy of being able to do things 100% themselves. Yeah. Now, that applies if autonomy is like your primary driver but there are going to be certain situations where you might be able to make significantly more 10 times or 20 times more by investing and one of the the greatest examples of this just using fruit <laughs> for example to keep it super simple i heard somebody say i'd rather have 10 percent of a watermelon than 100 percent of a yeah. grape right and, and so it's like all right cool if we blow this thing up big enough even though i might not have the like a, a lion's the lion's share of this organization i still have more because I'm, I'm associated with something bigger but the only way you can make that calculation is if you are crystal clear on what's important to you um i own 100 of ani i've had opportunities to to, to invest with other people that the deals didn't work out and i'm cool with that um and there are times where i consider hmm, should i link up with private equity and and really blow this up in a way that's scalable and for me the autonomy is is more important because we're, I'm, I'm like what my family's doing well we, we're not struggling financially and there aren't times where we say i wish we were making more we're, we're fine with that and so i wouldn't even really fully understand what the lifestyle change would look like <laughs> if i am having to work significantly harder and being taken away from my ultimate vision and mission um but making infinitely more money i'm like i don't then i wouldn't even have time to spend the money 
So what am I getting this for? Is this just an ego yeah. thing? And so, but for me, it hasn't, it hasn't made sense. But again, my calculation is different from other people's. So you just have to be really clear on what it is that you want and investigate with the other side, figure out what it is that they really want. And notice I'm using that word really very intentionally yes. because there are certain things that people will say that they want, but that might not be the actual reason. So you have to stay in this curious mode, gathering information to see whether or not this is the right person or partner for you as well. So it, it is a, a conversation that needs to happen first internally with yourself yeah. to figure out what your values are, what your ultimate goal is, and become okay with what you really, really want. Because you might be surprised when you do this introspection and you might find out like, oh, you know what? I thought that I wanted to make, have a hundred million dollars of revenue. Um, and I see the path forward, but then I didn't realize how much I valued time with my family, how much time I value, how much I valued like going on vacation. And I would have to give up those elements of my life in order to make this money. I'm not willing to make yeah. that trade. So we have to start off with the internal negotiation and then start the next one with a lot of curiosity to figure out who is on the other side and whether or not a deal is viable. Interestingly, you said internal negotiation. How can people negotiate themselves internally within themselves to the becoming the greatest version of who they are? Yeah, well, I think what we what's really interesting, Daniel, is when you think about Let's think about therapy, for yeah. example. We talk to our therapist and then in our therapy sessions, we discover things about ourselves that we didn't realize. It's not like they became true in this therapy session. They were always through. They were always true, but we weren't finding that ourselves. And what does a therapist do? A therapist asks a lot of questions and they listen non-judgmentally and then they help you to think through what happens next. That's exactly what the internal compassionate curiosity framework is for. It's going to listen judgmentally after acknowledging how you feel. Then we're going to ask questions and listen judgmentally as well. Self-directed compassion, right? We're not going to be critical internally as we go through this process and then figuring out what, what the next thing is. It's the exact same framework. And the thing is, when we are digging deeply into ourselves and figuring out what it is that we want, it's, it's often not a quick conversation internally. I remember when I was making that career transition saying, all right, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to leap into this negotiation stuff at this time in this specific way. It took me months just in silence, taking, going on long walks, thinking through this and asking questions and going deeper and deeper and deeper. And so I, I like the fact that compassionate curiosity gives you a very clear framework because if we say, Hey, negotiate with yourself, people are like, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> how do I, how do I operationalize that? Like, what do I actually do? But now we know, all right, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling that way? Now, what should I do? That is what we have to go through. I love it. I love it. I love it. Wow. Kwame, it's been so amazing to have you on this podcast. As we go through at the end of this episode, you're your two-time best-selling author. Tell us about your, your, you know, your first book, your second book, and how did you get started in it? So for me, when I was um, thinking about what I wanted to do in the industry, I said, okay, I need to have some kind of roadmap. If I was in a different organization, there would be like a stair-step approach to matriculating through the organization. But when you're an entrepreneur, the, you don't have that luxury. So I had to make it up myself. So I thought about different thought leaders and I realized in my perspective, based on the people that I examined, there were three pillars of thought leadership that I wanted to emulate. And I said, all right, I'm going to knock off one of these three pillars every single year. <laughs> and so I said, so first year, of, um, I'm going to knock off this pillar of creating a method of distribution that I own completely. And so that was the podcast. I can post podcasts consistently. I can have people hearing my message 
um, in a really unfiltered, uh, vulnerable type of way. So they get to know me on a deep level. So I'm going to have a platform of distribution that I completely own. That was the podcast for me. Um, then year two, what do they have? They have a big publicly recorded presentation. And so I didn't have that at the time. And so that's why I got the TED, the Ted talk. So year one was starting the podcast and then year two was having doing the Ted talk. And then it leads us to the third thing, the third pillar of thought leadership, which is being an author. They all have a book. And so the Ted talk was created that went really well. It's called finding confidence in conflict. And so I had a lot of ideas that didn't make it into the Ted talk and that became part of the book finding confidence in conflict. So each year I wanted to knock off one of those things. So one, two, three podcast, Ted talk and book. So the first book is finding confidence in conflict, which talks about how you can overcome your mental and emotional barriers to having difficult conversations. Yeah. That's where I introduced the, the topic of con um, compassionate curiosity. Yeah. And then the second book that came out last year, it's um, how to have difficult conversations about yeah. race. So it's a skills based approach to having some of the most sensitive conversations we have day to day. Wow. I had to take some notes here about the three pillars and I love it because when I started writing my book, you know, honestly, I just, I just got inspired and I wrote a book. Uh, when I started doing about my, you know, doing my podcast, I just basically wanted to share a message and I just started a podcast. But one of the things I did not really do was what you just did now. And I, and this is why it's so important, you know, sometimes to have a, a process and a structure in place. So your first part was basically distribution. And then your second part was a TED talk. And so your first part was the distribution and your second part is a TED talk. And then the, the third part, the, the, the final part was you becoming an author. And did you basically achieve that on a yearly basis? Because I, what I did, I just started it. I didn't literally say I was going to do A, B and C in, in, in those years, but I just find myself doing it. And I did that. So for you, did you put a plan in place to say, okay, year one is was just gonna let's get a podcast started and let's see how that goes, and then a TED talk, and then year two, year two into year three was okay, let's get the book out. Bingo, that was it. That was it. Yeah, it was it was all very systematic in the way that I approached it, and um, yeah, it, it seems to have been working uh, pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, it was very important for me to to gain credibility in the industry, too, because the reality is there are different biases that are that are real and at play. And age bias is one of those things, because you think about in law, you're still considered a young lawyer until you're 40 <laughs> um, in negotiation. True. You're, true, you're true. like you, people don't really start their experience as a negotiation expert until they're like 50 because they have some kind of career beforehand and then they start their their career in negotiation as a negotiation expert. And so I started the American Negotiation Institute at age 27. And so for me, I was really focused on how can I show the world that I deserve to have this position? Why? How can I show the world that I have a valuable perspective that has been vetted and I'm legit? Because a lot of times, for example, my wife, she's a great example. She's a, she's a doctor. Yeah. And so she, uh, and she, and she's a clinical professor, but she has a baby face. And so a lot of times people, some people would ask, how old are you? And her response is always old enough to be your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it shows a really interesting thing because people don't really care about your age per se. They're using the age as a proxy for intelligence and credibility. If there is a, you know, a, a 
25 year old doctor who can do incredible work who's the best in the world people are going to go to that doctor not because of their age but because of their credibility and the fact that they can do what they say they're going to do now for me i, I realized the same thing and i just had to create an incredible amount of content and materials and be as generous as i could with it with my knowledge to show the world hey listen i can do this and here is the the track record of success and as i started to build that more opportunities came my way but it was a a diligent and intentional process that I started as soon as I started the company, building that credibility and building that thought leadership. Wow. I really love that because looking at what your show about negotiation and about this topic has really gained, you know, having a show that's got over 6 million downloads, you know, in today, current, you know, you know, currently, you know, and obviously maybe more now, I'm not too sure, but because initially when I first checked, you know, when I was doing the research about you, there was different data, you know, available. Some says 2 million downloads, some says 6 million downloads. And, you know, it, it, you know, it was just yeah. all over the place. <laughs> I need to update some you know, of that. <laughs> so having a show with 6 million dollars, that's a quite a massive, massive reach. You know, it is a massive reach. And having a show that has a reach of about 181 different countries, you know, and that's why the reason why I says, wow, so, so good to see how the Americans, you guys start something and you guys just blow it all up, you know, within a very, very short space of time. You know, one of my mentors is, is an American-based mentor and he says, go bigger, go bigger. Like, there is no go bigger, go home. Is it a go bigger, go bigger? And... <laughs> So, and then you talk about the monetization I aspect. Love that. Now, for those who don't understand what does the monetization aspect means, you know, what, 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 how have you been able to then, you know, now you've created the authority, you, you know, you've, you, you, you've basically created your channel, your distribution channel, you, you've been able to speak on tech talks and as well as you are, you know, you know, auto two books and you have a massive, massive global reach. All right. Massive, massive global reach. So, how as the monetization of that you know of this sort of you know institution in negotiation how is it being super beneficial man it's been great and i think for me one of the benefits was adding on to that strategy because i had to have a strategy outside of just three years <laughs> you know i was like okay well, what's next what are the next yeah. big things um a big part of that strategy was finding multiple sources of income and also connecting those to multiple sources of influence yeah. So here's what I mean. Uh, so yes, we have the American Negotiation Institute, but let's talk about some of the other relationships I have. So I write for Forbes. So I write articles on business um, and conflict resolution and, and negotiation for Forbes. That's one source of revenue. I am a, I'm of counsel at a law firm. And so I'm associated with that law firm. And now that my brand is so big, a lot of people come to the law firm because of me. And so I get a piece of the revenue for everybody that comes in. Um, I'm also a LinkedIn learning instructor. We have 30 courses on LinkedIn learning. And you can think about every course as a book deal. You get an advance and then everybody who goes through the courses, you get revenue, royalties in perpetuity from that. So we have 30 courses and over 600,000 people have gone through the courses. So every time we start to get revenue from that as well. We just signed a deal with Audible. And so we're going to be pre producing some content for Audible coming out here in probably early 2024. We'll be done with that project. And so it's about 
thinking about it in terms of real estate. I think about everything as digital real estate. So it, think about a house. We want to cash flow a house. I buy this house. My mortgage is $2,000. I'm going to sell. I'm going to have my monthly tenant fee be $3,000. I cash flow a thousand. And so I think about we have two books. Um, I just wrote a children's book with my son, co-authored with him too. Wow! So we have three books. We have 30 courses. We have the revenue coming in from Forbes. We have the the law firm deal, all these types of things. Then we have the the clients that we service through our trainings and keynotes and, and things like that, both virtually and in person. And then we have the podcast deal with LinkedIn with their podcast network. So we signed a one-year deal with them. And so it's it's been really fun creating these multiple sources of revenue, creating these really unique deals with different organizations, but also being intentional about creating these these deals with respectable organizations. So they might say, who is this Kwame Christian guy? How do I know he's good at negotiation? Oh, he's one of the most popular LinkedIn learning course instructors. He writes for Forbes. He's still with a law firm. He teaches at Ohio State at the law school. He teaches at Otterbein University in their MBA program. I don't know about Kwame and I don't know about the American Negotiation Institute, but I do know about all of these massive associations that seem to be trusting this guy. And so if they can trust him, then I can do it too. And so it's all part of a, a cohesive strategy that builds the brand, helps as many people as we can and, and creates a lot of revenue. So when you when you started building this, did you always knew that's exactly the route you was going to go? Or once, you know, once it just started, once you established the three pillars and then it, different doors just started opening because you already established the three initial pillars all right. And then the audiobook deal came through. The LinkedIn deal came through. Uh, right for Forbes came through. Keynote speaking came through. It, w- w- did you always knew that was the way it's going to go? Or it just, it, just, it just opened up itself? You see where the opportunities will come um, when they come, but you don't always see them coming. That's the thing. And so I'm a chess nerd, man. I, I talk about this all the time. So I, uh, <laughs> I played over 20,000 games of, of online chess. I love chess. And so one of the things that I noticed about chess is that even the grandmasters, there's a limit to how far into the future you can mm. see that at some point, there are just too many externalities and options where you just can't see you. So you think, all right, I don't know where the opportunity is going to come. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to adhere to consistent business principles. And by focusing on positioning myself well, then once those opportunities do come, I'll be ready for it. Yeah. And that's really what it is. I, di- I didn't see the LinkedIn podcast deal coming. LinkedIn didn't have a LinkedIn podcast network <laughs> until the beginning of 2023. And they said, hey, we want to launch with eight podcasts and we've really liked your show and we want you to be one of those eight. I didn't see it coming, but I was ready for it, you know, because I've spent this time building this network, build, building up our team, our whole production team in the background to make sure that we we produce all of these episodes with consistency and everything like that. And then I knew I had the negotiation skills because I was on another podcast network and I still had time left on that deal. And so I had to negotiate out of that deal in order to negotiate to get into LinkedIn's deal, you know, but right place, right time. And I, with the right preparation. So I had all the skills I needed and I had the, the business apparatus created so I could make the I could take advantage of this opportunity. And I think a lot of times we get so focused on doing things in a specific way. No, at this time, I'm going to be doing this at this time. I'm going to be doing that this time. I'm going to be doing this, dude. Right now, I don't plan business 
beyond six months. I can't. And every time I try to, I'm my prediction on what the future is going to be is so incredibly wrong. But I say, all right, these are the business principles. I'm going to focus on two things, reach and revenue. My reach, how many people can I touch yeah. week to week? You know, so I, I try to I pay attention to the statistics. So we have about 450,000 downloads of the podcast every month. We have probably about between 80,000 and 100,000 impressions on average per week on LinkedIn posts because of the frequency of posting um, and, and those type of markers. So I'm going to be making decisions that increase our reach. So the next big thing we're doing right now is we are going to be focusing on YouTube. We have hundreds of podcast episodes recorded and we have video, but we haven't done anything with those videos. So now we're going to be replicating the success we've had on the podcast on YouTube yeah. because it increases the reach. Um, and so by being really mindful about what are the principles of business that consistently give you returns and making decisions that move you closer to those directions, as long as you're well positioned and you have the skills, when those opportunities come up, you might be surprised, but you'll be able to take advantage of those opportunities. You know, you've just given me so much in here. Like you're, you're just talking that I obviously I'm seeing myself because that's what I'm already doing as well. You know, cause right now, I mean, I've just got, you know, my, my, social, my Instagram is one of my biggest reach at the moment and my reach on Instagram, I'm reaching about, I'm reaching about 300,000 people a day. Um, you know, one of my, you know, about three, yeah, about 300,000 people a day. And, um, it's insane. Like, and yeah, not everybody wants to buy. Not everybody wants to pay you yet. But one of the things that's happening is people are basically learning and hearing. And that is what you said about basically creating your own distribution channel. Now, a lot of people don't understand by being on Instagram is not just by the sake of it, but it's a distribution channel that you are creating now. And that creation of that distribution channel allows you to long time, all right, in a long time to basically get the monetization because a lot of people do think, okay, oh, I'm going to start the podcast. I'm going to go and share my message. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And that's going to happen overnight. No, it doesn't. But at the end of the day, as long as you don't stop, you keep building, you keep building. Even even with what you just said about the YouTube. So we started doing our YouTube this year. We started distributing a lot on our YouTube. And not, you know, no word of a lie, between the last, you know, if I'm right, it, within the last six months alone, we've gone to about 50, about around about between 48 to 50,000, uh, you know, views already. And this is all organic, you know. And the, the beauty about this is that when you're building this distribution channel, what you're doing is that you're creating your own marketing and advertising platform that allows people to buy into the correctness of what you're saying. And also people would disagree with what your what your principles are and what you you know what your thoughts are. Just basically you talking about the distribution channel, just like wow, oh wow, I see what you've been doing and I see how you've done it. And it just makes like, oh wow. Definitely. The way forward is creating your own distribution channel in your message because with that, people then come to you. And I say this all the time. It's almost like becoming the honey and the bees come to you because you have the channel. You control everything as well. So Kwame, massive, massive value you, you gave to me right there. I really appreciate it. Not just me, for the listener of this podcast, 
My pleasure, man. I'm glad you appreciate it. And it, um, it, these are things that took me a while to figure out. So I just, again, generosity is one of my core principles. So I want to share it as much as we can. And I just appreciate you asking so many great questions and, and allowing me to have the opportunity to share it with your audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Kwame, are you looking to do something in the UK soon? And if you're looking to do something in the UK, basically coming down because you know, in a year from now, I want to bring people from all over the globe, especially to the UK and obviously do a lot of things in Nigeria as well, because right now Nigeria is a country I'm so passionate about. That's where, that's my home country. And it's a country of almost 300 million people. But obviously on the books, we know we're about over 250 million people. That's a massive, massive market. And people needs to be aware and hear this set of information. Yeah, the West might be so, you know, developed already. In the nearest future, would you think that, you know, you would, you know, you would want to come to the UK to share this message in person, basically giving people structure system on how to become a negotiation expert on how to join you in what you do. And as well as, you know, taking this all the way to across Africa, Africa needs to hear this because Africans, we're naturally people that wants to do well, want business. We want to do, want to become the greatest investors of ourselves, but mastering these core principles of what you shared about negotiation and also owning your own distribution channels and setting the appropriate pillars in places so you can go and be the authority that you want to be so is that something you'll be looking to do in the near future so the answer is hell yeah um that's the uh, that's my diplomatic response so yeah for sure and um saying a year from now is perfect because i'm a big time tennis fan and i want to be i want to go to wimbledon so let's make that happen i'm down for that i'll be in i'll be in uh, australia later um in the in january so i want to do more international trips so that's a yes and something I, I i this is my fault for not telling you this so our our um head of corporate social responsibility Olawashion, she is in um abuja and so she has a uh, an NGO called Peace Shapers. And so A and I, we partnered with her. She's on our team, and she does incredible work, peace building work in in Africa. And last year, we partnered with her company, her organization, and um, the United Nations to put on a two day free uh, peace building boot camp for for young folks in in Lagos. So long story short, man, yeah, for sure, I definitely want to take this worldwide i want to be i want to hang out with you when we get to england and, and put something on um and then i also want to expand our reach in africa too because i agree with you there's a lot of opportunity there but there's also a lot of need and so we i want to share however i can definitely definitely mr kwame it's been so 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 amazing to to have you on the wealth and business podcast and i just can't wait for us to do some biggest things and to basically open more doors more opportunities to people just to be aware of these simple skills that is required you know to have in business place in professionals in you know in the professional space and even in our families negotiation i love it it's been amazing having you here any final words just before we go? Yeah, I would just encourage people to, to check out the podcast, Negotiate Anything. It's available anywhere uh, you can get podcasts and then connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I, I post the most and I have the most engagement. But regardless, just keep in touch. I appreciate this. And, and again, thank you, Daniel, for having me. Fantastic. On. The show notes, anyway, the links to Kwame's um, um, website, his LinkedIn is going to be somewhere around the, you know, below uh, the show notes so make sure you click and follow him to learn more about negotiation because negotiation is something that we need as you can see how we've navigated the whole conversation it's something that we need in our everyday life 
our workplace, our children, you know, our community. It's just a skill that we need to master without being offended about when someone negotiates something from you. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Take care.